going to the book of St. John's Gospel, the third chapter. And uh, we're going to read beginning of verse 14 and go down through verse 16. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, I want to share with you tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I stay more and more at all at what God has done for us and what he endured on Calvary and the cross, the things that he took that he didn't have to take to purchase our salvation, to see that your name, that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And my, my goal, my objective from this hour forth is to try to reach as many people going to hell as what I possibly can. I'm not going to spend my time preaching behind this pulpit down in some other church and some other denomination because it's not, it's not in the name anyway of the church. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. I believe when Jesus Christ comes, Ouch, and I may get, a, yeah, and I could, if I was on the radio, I'd probably get some emails from this, but I believe when Jesus Christ comes, there's going to be some people come out of just about every denomination that's following Jesus. As long as you don't follow man, you follow Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. God, God didn't call us to fight, uh, fight uh, churches and other denominations. He called us to fight the devil. He said, we, we are battle our warfares against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. John chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Fathers, we come tonight. We thank you and we praise you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for what your mercy has brought us and you are doing in this day and this hour. I ask you, Lord, one more time on this closing Sunday night as we fix to leave here, before we go and go all, all home and, and face a, uh, the beginning of a, a work week that many have not uh, uh, been facing since uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, I pray that you will speak to us one more time to stir our hearts, give us what you would have us to have tonight, and I want to give you the praise and you the glory for everything that's accomplished from this. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I want to speak to you tonight briefly on a subject titled, uh, He Was Lifted Up for a Dying World. I believe it's time that the church becomes soul conscious. I believe that we need to start not just saying it, but we really start loving people from the heart. Amen. You know, I'm in, I, I, I'm in full agreement tonight. And full of, of persuade, fully persuaded that before you tell somebody you love them, you better make sure it comes from your heart. Because, hey, I've had people tell me they love me before, and you could tell that they was telling a story by the look on their face. Hallelujah. It don't take long for people that's not very spiritual. It don't take them long to very, 
uh, to pick up when you're not saying things right. Hallelujah. Amen. And if there's one thing God wants his people to be doing more so now than any, any other time, it's to love people more. When you look like uh, look for like for some of those that was here tonight uh, this morning, that one brother just got out of jail. Thankful to God for for men with well, with a burden and a calling like Brother Joe Wood, and Brother Joseph Hell going to those yeah. that jail ministry. Hallelujah! He's out and he was here this morning uh, and praying and crying the Spirit of God all over him. Amen. Church, we we've got to be concerned about other people's souls hallelujah amen and uh god wants us to do more of that and i want us to think a, a little bit tonight about the scripture here he was lifted up for a dying world he i, I read to you there in john 14 it said as moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so the son of man must be lifted up now as we begin our message this evening i want to direct uh, you to a much misunderstood and misinterpreted passage. And if you uh, uh, kind of wonder a minute what I'm saying, just, just, just wait a minute and don't form an opinion exactly until you hear, uh, uh, hear it all out. But this scripture here, verse number 14 in the third chapter of John, it is one of the most misunderstood and misinterpreted passages within the scripture. I'm referring to Amen, what he said, and he said that Christ must be lifted up. Hallelujah. A lot of people don't understand the full context, amen, of what it meant there, and they haven't dug out to get a complete understanding. And I, I, I want to share this with you tonight. For some reason, many people think that you know, the Bible phrase, lifting up Jesus, means to praise him, to honor him, or to magnify him in some kind of way. Most of the time, when I've heard preachers preach about the scripture about he must be lifted up, they want to start talking about, well, let's lift up Jesus tonight. What, well, let me ask you, how do you, what do you mean? You, you, you telling me you want to crucify the Lord? Because lifting up Jesus is what crucifixion means. That's what they called it back then. And I'm going to, I'm going to bring out what I mean here just in a second. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, uh, if you will indulge me and listen just, just for a few minutes, I, I want to shed a little light on what the Bible really teaches about lifting Christ up and how it relates to our salvation and being born again. Hallelujah. Since Jesus tied this unto Moses um, in, uh, in the wilderness being lifted up, uh, uh, the serpent there, we got to go back to that moment, uh, amen, and question and see how it relates. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Numbers chapter 21, verse 5 through 9. Let's read and see what he says here. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And our soul loathes this uh, worthless bread. Now, I want you to uh, uh, think about that and hold on. We're going to come back to that. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. 
for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from the, us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, now notice, this was God's idea, not Moses. God told Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, it seems that the children of Israel were a constant state of trouble for God and Moses that whole 40-year-long period of the wilderness. Amen. If they wasn't complaining about one thing, they were complaining about another. And on this particular occasion, they were complaining about not having enough food and water. Now, this was in itself nothing new. Because if you read through the story of the children of Israel crossing, amen, through the wilderness, time and time again, they brought up and they complained about having enough food and not having enough water. Amen. But what made this time different? Now, follow me. I got a word for you. What made this time different? What made this time strike a nerve with God himself when they began to complain? Hallelujah. It not only upset Moses, but it struck a nerve with God. Hallelujah. Was in the fact that they said they loathed the manna which God had caused to rain down from heaven for their very benefit and actually called it worthless. Numbers 21 and 5. Let's read it again. And the people spoke against God, against Moses, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die? Hallelujah. In this wilderness, for there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Do you understand what they were talking about? They were talking about the heavenly manna that God was raining down from heaven. Angel food. God was giving them angel food to eat in the wilderness. It was called manna, hallelujah, created by God so they could eat, hallelujah, but they got so self-centered and so selfish, amen, and so complacent that they began to say, well, our soul loatheth this bread. It's worthless. They called it worthless, and that's crossed the line with God. Let me tell you something. Don't you ever take a blessing that God has given you in your life. Amen. And load it. Don't ever take something God has poured his benefits, his grace, his mercy in your life and say it's worthless. It's useless. And a lot of people do that every day. Put that picture up there. Hallelujah. Put the picture on the screen, please. Hallelujah. Now, They were complaining. They were murmuring. They didn't have enough food. They didn't have enough water. And as I said, that wasn't nothing new because they had done it before and they'd done it after this period. But what made this different is that they began to talk against, almost as a form of blasphemy, against the manna 
that God had raised them and gave them. I mean, it come from heaven. Like I said, folks, it was angel food. Hallelujah. But they began to loathe it. And God said, you crossed the line there. Hallelujah. How many times, amen, has, has people in the church been blessed by God by something? Amen. And when you first get that blessing, oh, you're thankful for it. You're happy for it. And you'll just, and you'll, you're, uh, and you'll shout, and you'll praise God. Amen. And you're walking around on cloud nine. But then it's not long you become like a child about four days after Christmas morning. Because a child, hallelujah, amen, on Christmas morning, and they get their toys from under the tree. Amen. They're happy and they'll play with them. Amen. But it only lasts about four or five days. The next thing you know, that high-priced toys, amen, I know I've been there, hallelujah, that you spent for, you find it kicked over in the corner somewhere. It's lost something. It don't appeal to them. And the God has got people in the church world today doing the same thing. The Holy of God has lost its appeal to the church. Amen. The matter that he gives us from heaven. Hallelujah. We loathe it. God said, you've gone too far. He said, fiery serpents. Now, I often wondered about that. I remember being taught this story as a child in Sunday school. And when I first heard it, I, I hid in my mind like the far-breathing dragon, you know, in fairy tales and mythology. I imagined in my little mind snakes crawling around out there breathing far. But uh, after study to understand what it was, the fari, Sir Derisi called him fari. These serpents had one of the uh, uh, bitterest bites that really set you on far after you've bitten. I remember years ago when we went out to uh, take um, uh, Sister Darling's mom to see a sister in New Mexico. She hadn't seen her uh, in 30 years. And we took her out there one summer. Truth or consequences, New Mexico. And uh, we were taking a walk one day, and walking mighty slow. It was about 115 in the shade. And uh, we were walking along the, uh, the Rio Grande uh, uh, River. And, and uh, as I was walking along, I noticed this, uh, this ant hill and these uh, red ants. And uh, I knew I hadn't seen nothing like them before. And I was walking out through there, and uh, I, I don't know where it come from, but there was a streak of little meanness come out. I don't know where it come from. And uh, <laughs> hallelujah, my Lord, hallelujah. So I just, Chase, I just put my foot on that ant hill, man. I just, you know, didn't like that. Well, one of them, I found out later, they're called far ants. One of them things run up my britches leg, and it got about right just above my knee, and it stopped, and it bit into me, and I thought somebody was sticking a coal of far to my leg. Could, would nothing you put on it soothe. I mean, I have never had nothing. I mean, I, I've gotten burned by far that didn't hurt that bad. Amen. I've been burnt before. And this, in a similar sense, 
was the fiery serpents that God, these, these, these serpents that God sent amongst the people had such a terrible bite that once it went into the flesh, it just set them on fire. I mean, it just burned and burned, and they burnt, and the burn got worse until finally many of them died from the poison. God spoke to Moses. He had a plan. He said, you make a brazen serpent, and you put it on a pole. Now, God does not never do nothing by happenstance. Everything that's done in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow to looking for what the reality is in the New Covenant. And that was typifying when they raised up and they lifted up that serpent on that pole. He said, if they look to that, the people will live. That was foreshadow and foretelling Jesus Christ being lifted up on the cross at Calvary, that if we look to Christ, hallelujah, not man, hallelujah, not denomination, amen, not any kind of religion, but if we just look to Jesus, it don't make no difference what kind of poison of sin, amen, Sister Wanda, we got within us, if we look to Jesus, glory to God, we're going to receive a healing of soul, mind, and body, and spirit, hallelujah, thank God for that finished work of Calvary, amen, that he done, Hallelujah. That, oh, hallelujah. That's what makes the salvation of free guilt. This became so well known that you notice in the center there, it's a symbol of, of medicine. And do you know that that symbol of modern medicine, if you go to the doctor's office today, and if you'll see that anywhere on anything, I want you to know that that came from what happened to Moses and the children of Israel many, many years ago, hallelujah, because it brought spiritual healing to those who looked upon it, hallelujah. That's what Jesus meant. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, it's got nothing to do about you praising God or lifting his name up and giving him glory, but as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be. It's not talking about what I'm doing here today and what you here doing, but it's talking what the Roman army did for him back then. They nailed him to the cross, nailed him to the pole, and they raised him up. They lifted him up. Hallelujah. He was lifted up for a dying world. Can somebody praise him for that? Hallelujah. The whole thing was brought about because they said our soul loathes this worthless bread. The Israelites were calling the manna from heaven, which was the bread of angels, worthless and without any value. Church, we live in a world today to where there is nothing considered holy and sacred anymore. Amen. Nothing is considered holy and sacred anymore. We make the blessings of God common and ordinary. We fail to see the beauty and the majesty. Uh, oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. We fail to see the beauty and the, uh, the majesty in being allowed to walk the hollowed holy ground of his presence. Dude, don't ever take that for granted. Hallelujah. It, you're allowed to walk today because Jesus was lifted up. And when he breathed his last breath, the veil of the temple was written too. 
signifying the opening up to the whole. Before that, nobody was allowed to walk in there where the ark was. That's where the presence of God was. The presence of God was nowhere else except behind the veil. Hallelujah, do you get me? The presence of God wasn't in the outer court where the altar was. The presence of God wasn't at the brazen labor where they stood and washed at. Hallelujah, but when they went in and it was the high priest only that could go in, nobody else could go. If you were trying to go there, you would be you would fall over dead. Hallelujah. Oh, but when you got behind that veil, you was in his presence. That box, hallelujah, had a glory come off from it. It was the Shekinah glory. Oh, hallelujah. My God, hallelujah. But when he was lifted up, amen, in the veil, I can, I can walk on hollow ground right now. You can walk. It ain't just for preachers. Anybody. Oh, but... There are people in the church who take that wonderful opportunity and you do it the same way as the children of Israel did the manna. They liked it for a while, but they got tired of it. They said, we loathe it. We're tired of it. We want something else. We're tired of this. How in the world? Can you ever get tired of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost of God? The manna from heaven. Hallelujah. We make the blessings of God common and ordinary. We fail to see the beauty and the majesty in being allowed to walk the hallowed, holy ground of his presence. We sing that song sometimes. In the presence of Jehovah. That's, that's, that's a sacred place, folks. There's not nothing common about that. Hallelujah. It's not n- nothing worthless about that. It's a blessing if you can walk in and be in his presence. Hallelujah. But you see, many people today have no reverence for the word. And that's what the man is today. The manna today for us is the word. That's the manna, hallelujah. And you can't separate Jesus from his, his word. They're one and the same. They're one and the same. Hallelujah. Amen. And people today, you know, people in America, more, I don't know how many Bibles most people here got, got in their home. I watched a video. I watched a video a few months back of a box full of, of Bibles, had about 15 or 20 Bibles in it that was smuggled, smuggled in to China. And they got in there and they got opened up and those Chinese people who seen those few Bibles, they grabbed them, they hugged them, held them to their heart. Tears began to roll down their face. They began to weep. Because most of them in that underground church had never had the opportunity to hold a Bible in their hand. Matter of fact, some of those places, sis, in the underground church, they may have a church of 50 or 60 people. And if they're fortunate enough, maybe have one Bible. And they'll take that one Bible, not to be disrespectful, not to try to harm it, but they're carefully, Brother Paul, they'll take the pages out of it. 
one by one, and they'll pass a page around. I'm telling you, I know what I'm telling you. I, this, this is true. This happens. And each member of the church will take one page, and they'll memorize it on one side and the other. And then when they come back for another service, they'll, uh, Brother Greg, they'll exchange them and give them a page that they have memorized to somebody else, and they get a new one. Oh, they want the Word so much. They want that manna so much. And here we are in America. We become fat and sassy. Hallelujah. Amen. We, don't, we, 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 we forget about the holiness and the hollowness. Amen. Of the manna, and we loathe it. Hallelujah. We'll pitch it aside. Amen. To pick up a field and stream magazine or to turn on a TV program. Amen. We've got the privilege. Amen. To read. Hallelujah. And to feast on God's word. But we loathe it. We used to love it when we first received it, when we first come into the knowledge of the truth. God saved us. But as the longer we serve God, you know, it's like the children of Israel and, and, and the manna. Hallelujah. We become complacent and we don't, uh, we don't, we don't think much about it. Hallelujah. I've got, I've got to move on. I want, I want to finish this up. I want, I want to talk about the bite of sin. Those serpents I told you, they were, they, they were called forest serpents because when they bit the people, amen, it was a very burning sensation that ran through their blood veins. It literally set them on fire. Amen. And they began to die. When God heard the Israelites calling the manna from heaven worthless, he sent judgment in the form of serpents to bite the people. And the poison of the bite caused death throughout the camp. Listen to me now. But when the same people... <laughs> Oh, glory to God. When the same people called out to God, his mercy and grace devised a plan for the Israelites to receive life back into their dying souls. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, I know God don't tolerate sin. Hallelujah. He don't like it in my life when I do it. He don't like it in your life when you do it. But once I realize I have sinned and I messed up, all I've got to do is like the children of Israel back then, call out to God. Hallelujah. And it moves God with compassion every time. Hallelujah. It moves him with compassion. Hallelujah. Amen. Like a child. Amen. Looking up at a parent. Amen. With big old tears coming out of them eyes. Amen. And you do sometimes, amen, feel like you want to strangle them. Oh, but when they give you that certain look, it kind of breaks that heart. And you forget about strangling and you drop them hands on down and begin to hug them. Hallelujah. And that's what God does to us. Even though he don't tolerate my sin, he won't tolerate my, oh, but if I realize, hallelujah, I love messed up and I look to Jesus, I say, Lord, have mercy, and he has compassion. Rest through him. Oh, hallelujah. He's moved by that. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> we talk about the judgment in the Old Testament, but even in the Old Testament, God had a heart of mercy. He still had a heart of compassion. If people would only repent and look to him. He had that heart of compassion. Hallelujah. Because those same people that was loading this manna, once they began to call out to him, in the midst of death, he brought life. 
Oh, glory to God. Amen. So the bite of sin. Talked about it back then for them. Likewise today. Listen to me. Because man rejected the commandments of God. He allowed the bite of sin to inf uh, in infect us all. And the poison from that bite leads us to death. Spiritually and naturally. But he has devised a plan. Can somebody say amen? amen? This time a serpent would not be lifted up, but it would be a son. <laughs> oh, glory! Did you hear me? Under this covenant, they lifted up a serpent back then. But now, it's not a serpent they're going to lift up. Hallelujah. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent... Even so, the Son of Man shall be lifted up, that all who look shall live. Hallelujah. There wasn't a serpent lifted up and don't carry. That was a son. It was a precious son of God. As I read in the 16th verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He was hung up for your hang-ups. Hung up for your hang-ups. My, my, my. I'm going to close by talking briefly about the only antidote for our sin. And I want to read Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 15 for my final passage of Scripture tonight. Romans 5, 12 through 15. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. Who was that man? Adam. Hallelujah. And death through sin. And thus death spread to all men. You see, because of our disobedience, we were all bitten by the serpent of sin. And the poison of sin has run through your veins ever since you came into this world. Hallelujah. He said, for unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned because of the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Verse 15, but the free gift, look at your neighbor and say, it's free. The free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of God by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. That, my friends, is the only antidote for sin. Trying to live good enough, trying, trying, to, trying to go to church, do good works, so many people have tried that, and they get so caught up in legalism and a legalistic aspect where there's no, there's no opening for grace. There's no opening for mercy. My antidote for my condition is not me doing a bunch of good deeds I, that, that's not going to be the antidote that what I need. It's going to have to be me looking 
to the one lifted up at Calvary.